need to get my little magic stick here. So <laughs> we're going to continue our study of careless attitudes in our spiritual lives. And as I said, you know, we all have, we all make careless mistakes at times, one way or another, for one reason or another, maybe sometimes it's just not thinking, you know, we just do something and we don't think about it before we do it. And then we realize, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, and then sometimes we may think things through and, but we don't think carefully enough and we end up making careless mistakes. Well, we've been talking about careless attitudes that can lead to careless mistakes in our spiritual lives. And we're gonna continue that this evening. We need to be careful to not become careless in our faithfulness to God. And a lot of people, they, they believe in God, they believe in Jesus, but they don't focus enough and they become careless in the way that they live their lives before God. And so their lives are not right before him. They don't stay on the straight and narrow path that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter seven, verses 13 and 14. So we need to be careful to not become careless in our faithfulness to God. There are also many people who become Christians, but they get, they get distracted by the cares of the world and the ways of the world, and they end up becoming, well, unfaithful, less, less dedicated than they should be as Christians. So again, we need to be careful to not become careless in our faithfulness to God. The wise man wrote in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 16, he who keeps the commandments keeps his soul. Now that means as we live by God's word, by his teachings, faithfully and obediently and consistently, then we can be assured of our soul's salvation and eternal life with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit in heaven. But the wise man goes on and says, but he who is careless of his ways will die. And I think the ultimate the ultimate application of that would be eternal condemnation in hell. Revelation 2 and verse 10, we read such statements that as, as Jesus said here, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. So that's again, don't be careless in our faithfulness and our dedication to God. Also Matthew 24 and verse 13, Jesus said, he who endures to the end shall be saved. And again, in Luke 21 and verse 19, Jesus says, by your patience, possess your souls. And the idea there is your patient perseverance in living by the teachings of God's word and being dedicated to him every day. Now we're gonna have some moments of weakness. We're gonna have some moments where maybe we have a little bit of a, of, of a lapse in our focus, but, but we can always then go to God in prayer and ask his forgiveness through Christ and ask for his strength and guidance. And he has already said in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 that no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to men. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So God has already promised, I will be with you as long as you walk with me as long as you come to me, turn back to me. If you make mistakes, I'm, I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna forgive you as you seek forgiveness and I'm gonna strengthen you as you seek strength in prayer through the name of Christ. Careless attitudes can get us off track and lead to unfaithfulness in our Christian lives. The apostle Paul, and I 
really do like the emphasis of this particular verse. Obviously, if you've been here for some time, you hear me refer to this verse over and over again. In Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16, Paul wrote, see then that you walk circumspectly. And the idea there is extra carefully, really staying focused, thinking ahead. And here's where the carelessness can get us off track because the idea of walking circumspectly is the idea that I'm thinking ahead. If I take this step, if I do this, if I take this action, what will that lead to? And then what will that lead to? And then what will that lead to? And we stop and we say, okay, maybe I better not take this first step. That's being circumspect. Or maybe it's saying, if I take this first step, it'll enable me to do this and then enable me to do this. And these are good things in living my life for Jesus Christ and say, I'm, I'm gonna take this pathway. I'm gonna go take this next step. So see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The devil's always out there working to try to pull us away from God and into unfaithfulness. So we've talked about a number of different ways that people become careless in their spiritual lives. We talked about not being careless in our prayer lives. And, G, and, and the apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, pray without ceasing. Prayer is our hotline to the throne room in heaven, our communication line to God the Father through Jesus Christ. So pray without ceasing. We need to always pray and we're not talking about every minute we're awake, but we need to be praying all day and throughout the day. And so pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now we also talked about how we need to be careful to not become careless in our personal Bible study time. A lot of people, they, they come to services on Sunday morning and that's about it in their life and they don't open up a Bible even between the time they leave the building till they come back the next Sunday morning. Or maybe they don't even open up the Bible much at all. Maybe, you know, they're just careless in their personal Bible study time. But faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So if we want to have strong faith, we need to be in God's Word consistently and regularly. Second Timothy 2 and verse 15, the Apostle Paul wrote, be diligent, or the King James Version says, study to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we need to be involved in Bible study. And as we learn more and more from God's word, we will grow stronger and stronger and more and more complete in our faith and more and more mature in our spiritual lives as Christians. We also talked about not being careless about being actively involved in good works, serving God. Ephesians 2 and verse 10, Paul wrote, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. God has created us to be involved in good works and he has equipped us to be able to be involved in certain good works. Now, not all of us can stand behind, a, behind a, a pulpit or a class lectern and teach a Bible class or preach a sermon. Not everybody can lead songs as North did a few moments ago, but we can all do something to serve God and to in some way be the shining light that, that we're supposed to be as faithful, dedicated Christians and followers of Christ. Matthew chapter five, verses 13 through 
through 16. So we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Well, let's look at another area in which a lot of times it becomes easy to become careless. Many Christians don't realize how spiritually crippling a careless attitude about faithful attendance, being together with the church regularly as the church comes together to worship God and study his word, how crippling that can potentially be to just not pay proper attention to being with the church as the church comes together to worship God and study his word. When Jesus, or rather when the church was established on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, we read about that. The very last verse in that chapter says, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The Lord himself personally adds those who come to salvation in him to his church. Four precious souls were added this evening to the Lord's church by the Lord himself. Now, why is the church important then? That's where the saved are. When you read that particular verse, you can come away and understand there are no saved outside of the church. A whole lot of people, they think, well, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, but I don't need the church. You need to go back to the drawing board. You need to go back to the guidebook and read the scriptures because the Lord adds the saved to his church and he personally adds them. So if you want to be in Christ, if you want to be among the saved, the redeemed, the church is all important to you. Why do you think God sent Jesus into this world to establish the church if the church is not important? It's a rhetorical question, isn't it? We understand the answer. It is all important. So in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, familiar text of scripture, the Hebrews writer says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without, or of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Now that's verse 23. Verse 24, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works that's verse 24. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Well, verse 23, let's look at this in sections. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Think about what's really said there and what's important for us to understand within that particular statement in that verse. Gathering together as the church helps me stay strong spiritually. Helps me stay strong spiritually. I have at different times and having preached in Southeast Louisiana in the oil fields for many, many years, very, very common for husbands to have a job in the oil field of one, in one kind or another and end up being away from home for seven to 14 to 28 days at a time because they're working in an oil rig someplace, maybe out in the Gulf of Mexico, maybe in another country altogether. Now, I've, I've you know, advised many times that that is a strain on a marriage. 
And if you want the marriage to stay strong, you really have to nurture that relationship when you're back together. And maybe that's not the best job for you, especially as a new, newlywed couple. Maybe you need to think about a different kind of, of, of field of work for at least a period of time so that you can strengthen your marriage relationship by being together on a regular basis. Well, we need to be together as the Lord's church because I need to hold fast to my confession of hope, my faith in God, my faith in Christ. I need, and, and I'm gonna gain strength in, in, in being able to accomplish that by being with my brothers and sisters in Christ. So gathering together with the church helps me stay strong spiritually. And I need that relationship to help me stay strong spiritually. In Ephesians chapter four, beginning with verse 12, the apostle Paul is, is, is talking about the church. And he says, for the equipping, the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to a perfect or complete man the idea of spiritual maturity there, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Now, if you look through that particular text of scripture, I, I can't even tell you right offhand how many different statements of being strengthened by being with the church, being a part of it and being properly focused upon your relationship within the Lord's church, relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ within the church, over and over and over again. That particular immediate text of scripture focuses on that and says we need to be together because we need to grow up together, grow stronger in our faith, grow more mature in our faith, and so on. Now, you're not going to get that in the world. You're not going to get that by, by, by primarily associating only with non-members of the Lord's church. I remember a brother in Christ who is a faithful gospel preacher to this day Talking one time many, many years ago as we were together, I believe in a preacher's meeting uh, in another state many, many, many years ago. And he was talking about his experience working in the secular field. He said, you know, I, I think he said he was working in a factory at that time as a very young man. And apparently some of his co-workers, older men, they, they knew that he was a Christian, and that he was, he was a dedicated Christian. And so he said something along the line that they had, they had decided they were going to try to tear him down his faith. We well, see now that's what's going to happen either directly or simply by association if we're only associated with people who are not of the, who are, who are people of the world and not of Christ. We need that relationship. I need to stay strong in the faith. I need my brothers and sisters in Christ to help me stay strong. There's, there's, a un, there's a strength that comes through fellowship. And don't ever delude yourself into thinking you don't need that fellowship to be strong. 
You do. All of us do. I do. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, Paul wrote, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And so it helps me to stay strong in the Lord, not just to grow spiritually into greater spiritual maturity, but also to stay strong in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 20, brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, and in under, but in understanding be mature. And so we should be growing up in Christ as we move along in our Christian lives. I need that strength that comes by being with my brothers and sisters in Christ to study God's word, to worship God, to be in fellowship together. Now, let's think about that second verse, verse 24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Okay, I need fellowship with my family in Christ and they need fellowship with me. I need the strength that comes by being with them and they need the strength that comes by being with me as family members in Christ. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, familiar text of scripture, Well, think about all of the broad implications, the parameters that kind of just spread out from what Jesus told the apostles on the night of his betrayal here. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you love one another. And then he says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We need to be together to exhibit that love toward one another. And we need to be together to receive that love from one another. And it's a very difficult task to be able to somehow conclude in our minds, well, I can still take, receive all the benefit of that kind of Christian love between my brothers and sisters in Christ within the Lord's church without being together with them much. You see, it just doesn't work. And so think about that love that Jesus commanded there. Notice he did not say, I want to give you a good idea or a pretty good suggestion here, something you might want to think of. Now he said, this is a commandment, a new commandment I'm giving you. You need to love one another as I've loved you. The next day he'd be on the cross. That's how much he loved them. That's how much he loves us. And John the apostle wrote in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18, speaking to the church, He said, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In other words, in action, in practice, on a regular, consistent basis. Our love for one another needs to be openly expressed through our interaction. It needs to be visible, not something we can put in our pocket and say, oh yeah, I love them. No, we need to demonstrate that love. It needs to be visible. That's what Jesus said. The world should see our love for one another openly displayed by how we treat one another, how we talk to one another, and how we talk about one another as well. And so don't love just in word or in tongue. It's not just a spoken thing. It is an active lifestyle, an active lifestyle. In Galatians chapter 6, beginning with verse 1, Paul, and he's again writing to the church here, the churches of Galatia. He says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, he's talking about a fellow Christian, 
you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, first he says, if you recognize that a brother or sister in Christ is struggling in their faith, in their faithfulness, help them come back to faithfulness. Help them grow in their faith. How can I do that if I'm not with them? How can I do that if I'm not there with them on a regular basis? How can I even recognize their struggle if I'm not with them? And then he goes on and he says, bear one another's burdens. Now, the word that is translated from the Greek into the English there as burdens is a word that means it's referring to a burden that is so overwhelming at that particular moment that a person cannot possibly take care of it by themselves. They're going to need help. Well, how, how will I be able to recognize that need in a brother or sister in Christ's life if I'm not with them, if I'm not interacting with them? And how do I do that? I, I come to be with them as the church meets. I, and, and preferably, I would even spend some time with them outside of the church building. Now, let's come to verse 25 in Hebrews chapter 10. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, and what is to forsake? I choose not to be there. But all the more as you see the approaching, okay? So verse 25, I need the unique degree of fellowship and communion with God and with the church that comes with being with the church to worship God and study his word. I need that unique degree of fellowship. I cannot get that to the degree that I need it in any other way. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, Paul said, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, or more succinctly boiled down, I grow in my faith as I continue to be in God's word, as I continue to hear it being taught, proclaimed, preached, and as I see it lived in the lives of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I need to be steadfast in my commitment to God, demonstrating my commitment to God, my faithfulness openly and consistently. In Acts chapter two and verse 42, Shortly after the church was established upon this earth, as the first congregation came together, after 3,000 were baptized and souls were being added to the, to the church daily by the Lord, verse 47 of Acts chapter 2. In verse 42, it says, they, that is, those new Christians, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, which means teaching and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They continued to come together to worship on a consistent, regular, and continual basis. In Romans chapter 13 and verse 11, do this knowing the time that now it is high time that, the, that we awake out of sleep for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. People all over the world right now need to come to the reality that, that they need to come to Christ for forgiveness and salvation. But as members of the Lord's church, as we have already done that, we need to keep our eyes open and not, not kind of go to sleep spiritually, so to speak, or doze off spiritually. And, and we need to recognize the days are going by. I'm no longer a 30-year-old preacher. I'm no longer a 25-year-old young man. 
And some of you might be shaking your head. Yeah, yeah. Neither are you, by the way. <laughs> okay. We're all growing older day by day. And having preached in the Lord's church for as many years as I have, let me tell you, I've preached funerals for just about every age, well, for every age group that you can imagine, literally. We don't know when that day will come for us. And we don't know when the day when the Lord comes again will come for the whole world, all of humanity. First John chapter five and verse three, what does John the apostle write there? For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. I need to live that life. I need to continually be instructed in the word of God. I learned some things just while I was gone last week as we took a, you know, about a week's vacation or so and uh, worshiping with a, a couple of different congregations along the way. I, I, I learned some things while I was gone, listening to other preachers preach. And I appreciated that. I need that. I need to hear the word proclaimed. I need to continue to grow in my knowledge and understanding of God's word. And I'm continually doing that, learning things, seeing some things, getting some insights that I may not have had as fully in, in the past as I have come to realize as I continue to study God's word and hear it being taught. Think about now, I need to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ, but also very, very important is my children need to see my example as a parent of being faithful in my worship and study of God's word. My worship of God and my study of his word as the church comes together to worship God and be in his word. My children need to see that example on a consistent basis from me as a parent. What did Paul write in Ephesians chapter six and verse four? You fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but what? But bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Another translation there is in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. They need to hear God's word, the truths of it being taught as we're living together in our daily lives in the home and maybe outside of the home doing things. Parents need to be continually pointing out truths from God's word as, as life points for the children. They need to see us put that into practice by saying, yeah, yeah, mom and dad, oh, Sunday's coming up. We know where we're going to be. We're going to be at church. You know, Wednesday night, yeah, no, no, yeah, we know where we're going to be. We're going to be at church. Well, you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition or the instruction and discipline of the Lord. My children need to see my faithful example. And also my children need to receive that teaching on their grade level that they receive in Bible classes. They need that. You have a two-year-old and, and you say, uh, well, okay, that two-year-old is not going to understand a whole lot of what he might hear just from a pulpit being preached, but he's going to pick up in Bible class tremendous truths of the Bible about God, about Jesus, because he's being taught on his grade level, on his level, his age level of understanding. And that's specialized. And ch my children need that. So 
also being with the church as the church comes together to worship God and study his word, it helps me. Now, look at, look at tremendous, tremendous statement about, about Abraham. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19. Here's God speaking. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. What a great treatise on Abraham as a father. What a great treatise. Now, a little carelessness in this area of saying, you know, I, 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 you know, I don't think really need to be at church services. You know, we miss a few times, it becomes easier and easier, doesn't it? I don't really think I need it. Well, look at all of these points, all of these principles that Hebrews chapter 10, uh, chapter 10, verses 23 through 25 bring out. We've looked at them. We could have gone deeper, I'm sure, but I think we have made the points there. I need the strength that comes from being in worship before God and in Bible studies before God as the church. I need the strength and fellowship that comes from being with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And they need the strength and fellowship that comes with their being with me in, in, in worship and, and, and study of God's word. And I need that, that communion with God as I come together to worship and study his word with the church. I need that connection with God. I need to be in those prayers. I need to be taking part in the Lord's Supper. I need those Bible classes teaching me so that I can grow stronger and deeper in my faith. A little carelessness in this area, carelessness, thinking, well, I, it's not that important. I, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can miss, I can skip. I'll, you know, some people, it's just a matter of every few months they show up at a church building or maybe not even that often. They don't realize how devastating that is to their spiritual lives. A little carelessness in this area of our Christian lives can have devastating consequences on our Christian lives, on our spiritual lives. So the question for each of us would be at this particular point in time, am I being careless about gathering with the church as the church comes together to worship God and study his word? Am I being careless? Now I realize we're all here this evening. And I realize that, that you know, this would be a lesson that would probably be, be better brought on a Sunday morning. Because there are a whole lot of people who come on Sunday morning, they, they, that's all they come for. And maybe only one hour during Sunday morning. Well, I, I understand some of the thinking there. But, but we need to look deeper into this, into this text of Scripture. It, it talks to us about how we need to be together. So maybe we can become examples to others. And out of love for them, not, not browbeating, not putting down, but out of love for them, help them to see our example in saying, you know, I really need to be together. And I, you know, I, I think you would benefit also if you would set some more times aside to come and be with the church. We need that. What if something cataclysmic happened in our nation? 
We are a nation that really, that really stands upon freedom to worship God openly. We take that for granted in our country. What if something happened and that was gone? Either from outside forces invading and conquering us or from the devil working through politics, through civil authority to change laws and regulations that would limit our ability to be able to openly teach God's word in truth. Now, some people would throw up their hands and say, ah, that can never happen. Look at other countries all around the world. It has happened. We need to stand firm. We need to grow in our faith so that if there are incredible challenges to our faith that come along from various, in various forms and from various directions, we are grounded and we'll be able to brace against the tide and we can be the example to help others going through those same challenges and situations. If you need to think more carefully, if you need to seek the prayers of the church, all you have to do is ask us. You step forward and let us know. We'd, be love, we'd love to pray with you and for you this evening. If you are ready to be baptized as, as these have already this evening and others have in other parts of the country and the world today, and the Lord is adding to the kingdom daily those who are being saved. And I get reports about it regularly. If, but if you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins, or if you want to study some more, please let us know so we can help you along these lines. Let's stand firm as the church. Let's be the church. And that means each one of us because you are the church. And so am I. Church is not this building. It's every single one of us who are in the Lord. If you need to come, won't you come right now as we stand together and sing.